Welcome to the Homeschool Mom Podcast, where biblical truth informs our everyday lives as homeschool moms. I'm your host, Janelle Knutson, a Christian, a wife, and a homeschooling mom to seven children. You can find the show notes for each episode of the Homeschool Mom Podcast over at JanelleKnutson.com forward slash podcast. Hello, homeschool moms. I am so excited about this podcast episode. Today, I have Cheryl Marshall and Caroline Neuheiser with me to share with us how we can use our words to encourage those we love, including our children. Cheryl Marshall is a wife, mom, counselor, and Bible teacher. She has over 25 years of experience teaching and discipling women in the local church, and she currently serves as director of women's counseling at Founders Baptist Church in Spring, Texas. Caroline Neuheiser is an ACBC certified counselor. She has been a pastor's wife for over 30 years and currently is the assistant coordinator of women's counseling at Reformed Theological Seminary. Together, Cheryl and Caroline wrote the book, When Words Matter Most, Speaking Truth with Grace to Those You Love, which is published by Crossway. And what I love about these ladies is that they both love the Lord, they love his word, and they love encouraging women. And they are fellow homeschool moms who have wisdom to share with us on how to use our words to speak truth to our children. Welcome, Cheryl and Caroline, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank Glad you. To be here. Well, I'm going to jump in and uh, just get started. So one of the things that I loved about your book is your emphasis on speaking scripture and biblical truth to those we love. So why did you make that such a strong focus in your book? Well, Caroline and I really uh, saw a need among Christian women um, who love the Lord, love his word, love his people. They love the people around them. And yet there was often um, a little bit of angst that we saw that women would have when it came to helping and encouraging the people around them or stepping into their lives with biblical truth. And a lot of women feel uncertain about what to say or how to say it from the scriptures. And so as we saw that in our own lives and in the lives of women around us, we realized that was a need we wanted to help meet. And so that's why we um, wanted to focus on that in this book. And along with that is because we know that God's word is what changes lives. Absolutely. It's not right. It's not us. It's not our opinions. It's not our advice as good as that, as good as that advice may be. But when push comes to shove, we don't change people's lives. It's the Holy Spirit working through his word. So we wanted to help encourage and equip women to be able to share God's word with those in their immediate sphere of influence with the people right around them. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, um, in the first chapter of your book, you talk about three goals for relationships based on Ephesians 4.13. So what are these three goals and how do they apply to our relationship with our children? Ephesians uh, 4.13 says that the church is equipped with all these uh, special gifts until we attain to the unity of the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So unity of the faith is essentials. We unite on the essentials. The second one is to know God. That is where truth is to know God and then to model Christ to others. So there's no other higher calling than that. Mm -hmm. So how would that apply to our relationship with our children? 
we want to make sure our children know what we believe and what the truth is in scripture. So unity of the faith, but to think about all the things we're teaching them. The most important thing is knowledge of the son of God. Mm-hmm. And then that works its way out into obedience as we imitate Christ. So I think that's a good paradigm for homeschool moms. Yes, absolutely. Well, in chapter two of your book, you talk about three different types of people that are found in first, uh, first Thessalonians five fourteen. So I'm going to read that passage really quickly. It says, we urge you brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. So why is uh, that verse important to us as moms, as we interact with our kids? Well, you know, in the scriptures, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But we know that we can <laughs> insert mothers into that verse as well. Mothers, do not provoke your children to anger. And one of the ways we can provoke our children is when we are addressing them or interacting with them, not according to their current condition. So, for example, let's say you have a, a child who's very discouraged. That's probably not the time to be correcting them and admonishing them. So as it says in the scripture here, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. I know when when you have a busy homeschool day, there's things to be done around the house. You're trying to do math. You're trying to do spelling. You have errands to run. It's ah crazy. And one of the kids is having a problem, like a personal problem. It's, it's tempting to just quickly... Um, assess that. I'm going to figure that out real quick. Instead of taking time to just maybe ask a couple questions, just slow down, look at what they're really dealing with, you know, and if they are being unruly, that is the time to admonish, to correct. Um, If they are discouraged, then we need to just take that time to come alongside and encourage them if they are faint-hearted. To encourage means to console, to soothe, Are we taking the time to do that if that's what they're dealing with? And then helping the weak. um, This word to help actually means to gird up, to support, to hold tightly. And um, we need to be careful that when our child is weak in an area, that we are coming alongside in a very helpful way. You know, I think of, um, you know, to make it real practical, I'm thinking back to the years of teaching math and, you know, every child is different. We had one that was really great at it. And we had a couple others that it took more effort on my part. And it's so tempting when a child is weak in a subject, let's say that we are so quick to admonish and to correct and come down rather heavy handed instead of saying, you know what, this may be a weakness for my child. How can I help gird them up? How can I help them in that way? Um, You know, are they sitting there doing a science project and they're just discouraged? They're faint hearted. Again, that may be the time to just in a special way, come along and encourage them. But, you know, these are true for spiritual matters, but I think it also is so true for just the matters of everyday chores and everyday schooling to keep this verse in mind as we interact with our kids. Yeah, I love that. I love that very practical application to the scriptures. Well, Cheryl, you also shared a story in the book about how you encouraged your son on a day when you had a long to-do list. And us homeschool moms, 
usually have a very long to-do list. So can you share more about that? Because I think it's a really great practical example of how to imply, apply these truths to our lives as homeschool moms. Yeah, I still remember where I was standing in the room right behind me in the kitchen and um, I was rushing through the day. I actually um, teach piano also. So I knew that I was going to have piano to teach. Someone was supposed to stop by. I'm trying to get all the kids into their schoolwork. And um, my teenage son came along and unexpectedly just starts opening up. And he was discouraged about, I think it was some friendships or some relationships and how he's feeling about those. And, you know, I'm standing there thinking, I do not have time for this. And yet I also realized I need to take these opportunities when they come. And I've realized that the older the kids get, that when you have those opportunities that they just start opening up, it is so worth it to let everything else go and just listen. And uh, I realized as he began to talk that this was a time to just stop and listen and let him talk as long as he needed to. But then as he was talking, I realized this is an opportunity for me to give him some real biblical encouragement, not just mom here, you know, as mom, you know, I want to be mommy and I want to fix his problems. I couldn't fix the problems, but what I could do is give him biblical truth that applied to some of the issues he was raising and encouragement. And so that's what happened that day. And, um, you know, those moments can pop up at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> They may pop up at 630 in the morning, but when they, when they come, we, we really need to stop and take them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the greatest things about homeschooling is that mm -hmm. we can disciple our children and put things on hold to invest in their hearts and, and the heart training. Well, in another chapter of your book, you talked a lot about grace. So why is grace important to us as moms? And do you have some practical examples to share with us about that? Grace is important because, as we said, we want to model Christ to our children. And I would just, my overall word for that is humility. Model humility, which is showing grace to others, knowing that we've also are sinners but to speak more particularly in our chapter, we talked about three kinds of grace. The first one is saving grace. So I know I'm a sinner. I treat others as fellow sinners with grace that I've been given. I, I show grace to them, like the unmerciful servant story in Matthew 18. Because I know how much I've been forgiven, I can't be as harsh or judgmental because I've been forgiven so much. It's, uh, saving grace matters to me. The other is sanctifying grace, that we are slowly becoming like Christ. Even as adults, we are moving very slowly and sometimes backwards a little bit and having um, bumps in our road. So we want to model that too, to our children understanding, oh, well, they're not going to be instantaneously sanctified. We are also moving on the same road with them expecting the Holy Spirit to work, and yet we're having to be patient and gracious towards one another. Like Cheryl was saying, it's how we stop and we treat others in gentle remonstrance if needed, or gentle encouragement with patience. But the last kind of grace is glorifying grace. That This sometimes can be lost in our 
world, our homeschooling world, that this world is not all there is. So it's like, son, persevere through this. God is watching you. He will give you rewards, but also the problems we're experiencing are because of sin in the world. This is not how God made things originally. And that kind of grace can bolster our children who are weak and faint-hearted. And sometimes the admonishment needs to come from that too, that the Lord is watching and there's, there's a spiritual world we need to be aware of. I love that. Well, you guys wrote so many good chapters, but in another chapter, you focused on the characteristics of a gracious friend, but these can easily easily apply to the character conversation and conduct of a mother toward her children. So what are these characteristics that we should be maturing in? Well, in that chapter, we, as you mentioned, we covered various characteristics, but we've covered a a gracious friend's character, her conversations and her conduct. So there's a lot in that chapter and I'll just mention a few of the things and maybe I'll Caroline, if you want to jump in and make any specific comments, on any of these, but as far as a gracious woman's character, we talked about how it's important first and foremost that she is spirit-filled, meaning that as a believer, she is filled and controlled by God's spirit through his word. So we need to be in his word. We can't be a dry sponge or an empty bucket. We need to be filling our own hearts and lives uh, with the truth of God's word by his spirit and living out of that. Also with her character that she is humble, as Caroline was just talking about, that she has humility, but also loyal. So in our book, we're talking about friendships among women and um, maybe peers. But when we talk about loyalty within friendship, we were also talking about persevering. We have to persevere with a friend. A gracious woman will be long-suffering. And when we think of homeschooling, I mean, it's a life of being long suffering, right? So persevering with our children, whether it be in a subject or with, or a character issue or a, or some sort of weakness that they may have. So the importance of persevering. So the other thing that we also address in that chapter is the gracious woman's conversation. And so Caroline spoke some already of hope, but we also talk about speaking with self-control and wisdom. So every homeschool mom needs more self-control. I think for myself, that was a a challenge just to have that self-control of watching what I say before I say it. And so we talk about that biblically in the book, but then we really address the issue of a gracious woman. Her conversation is full of wisdom. That wisdom is what she speaks from God's word. So um, her instruction, her encouragement, her everyday speech being saturated with the truth of God's word and that God's truth to her needs to be more important than her own opinions. And so just speaking to our children with wisdom from the word. And then finally conduct that a gracious woman, she listens, she forgives, and she serves. Again, taking time to listen to our children, to not rush them so fast that we're not really considering who they are and trying to understand their heart. One of the things we talk about is the importance of listening for understanding, not listening just so we know what to say next, but listening to understand our child's heart, their motives, their needs, 
And then when we speak, it will be more appropriate to their need. Um, a gracious woman is going to forgive. And I know that Caroline mentioned that also with the unmerciful servant, but just keeping in mind um, the importance of not holding grudges against our children. We may have a child who, rep who repeatedly provokes us in some way to anger. And I think we need to be very careful examining our own hearts. Am I truly being forgiving and kind to this child? And then finally, a gracious woman serves. And homeschool moms serve all day long. And if I could just give one encouragement that I learned and I wish I had done better at um, was that I wish I had served without complaining, serving, understanding that this is a good thing that I'm doing. This is a good thing that I've been called to instead of seeing it as a burden, but rather this is a gift from God that I have these years. So the conduct of a gracious woman, she listens, she forgives, and she serves. I love all of those. I'm thinking I can apply that to every relationship that I have mm -hmm. from my kids to my marriage to friends. And it's one of the things that just came to mind is that's quite a list. <laughs> that's a list that none of us can fulfill perfectly. And that is why um, it's so important to remember that we do have a perfect savior, that we have a savior who, um, uh, went through this world without sin and he died in our place to pay for the, our failings, our weaknesses, our sin. And uh, so as I present that list, I just want to be careful that it's, that it's not a, something that a homeschool mom just sits there, falls back in her chair and says, there's no way I cannot do that. And I'll say, amen, sister, we can't, you know, we, we seek to glorify the Lord, to live for him out of a grateful heart for his life and death for us. And we can trust that he's working in us and in our children, and he'll give us grace to pursue these things, um, to glorify him in our families. Well, thank you. That was wonderful. Well, one of the questions that I receive a lot from homeschool moms is how to help a child who's angry or defensive or rebellious, or even withdrawn. They want to know, how do I practically handle this? So what biblical advice do you have for these moms who are dealing with children like this? I think that's a wonderful question and uh, we need to consider it. I will say to begin with, to just follow up on what Cheryl said, is we want to practice Proverbs 20 verse five that says the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water but a man of understanding will draw it out. So we're trying to draw out what are the underlying heart issues, not dealing with the behavior primarily, but where is this behavior stemming from? Because Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're thinking, we need to know more. Um, and a lot of moms get caught trying to find out what's the instigator, who is the instigator, especially in a conflict between kids. Proverbs 18, 17 says, one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. So we should all be careful to be um, cautious about who we're accusing or who started it and make sure that we have a complete picture 
So all these things are self, we're working on ourselves to begin with. So let me be reasonable. Let me be patient, understanding. Let me um, have a good goal. And some of times our goal is to be the good homeschool family or to feel good about what I'm doing here or to, to look good to others. But James 5, 19 says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, like some of these, these problems, wandering from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So that's our goal. Our goal is, I want to really come alongside this child and help them. The issues you mentioned are uh, varied. <laughs> there are different things like um, Lou Priolo has The Heart of Anger, his book on how to help a child who's angry. And that starts with self-examination too. Is there something I'm doing to provoke my child? The child who's um, withdrawn and defensive, I see those as different from rebellious. So aren't anger and rebellion Anger is the inner feeling, rebellion is the outworking of it. And defensive could be that you don't understand me. I don't even want to talk to you because I don't feel like I'm getting through. I don't feel like we've connected on a deep level. That's something we pray about. I mean, over the whole thing, I'd say pray for your child and try to help them because Lord, help my heart be right and help me be connected to you and have wisdom from you. A couple other things come to mind also um, that go along with what Caroline was saying. Um, one thing is, especially when maybe you have a defensive or a rebellious child, and I've mentioned this or alluded to it in one way or another before, already, but want to apply it here is that when we come to a child, it's not if they are being defensive or rebellious, it's important that we not simply say, this is how you have offended me. This is how you have disobeyed me. There's a place for that because you are the authority in their life and you need to explain that. That's important. But ultimately, the authority above me is the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we have a child with whom we can um, reason with them, they're at an age where we can be talking with them, that's important that we take them and say, well, here, this is what it says in this passage here. It's very important for children, I think, to understand that our goal is not simply that they are obedient to us, but that they know and love and are obedient to Jesus Christ. On the issue of being withdrawn, and I learned this with one of my other children also, and a friend told me, one of my children was struggling with something and was a bit withdrawn, and a dear friend, another homeschooling mom, just reminded me, Cheryl, when he is not wanting, if, when he is withdrawing, he's saying, I'm, I'm done talking at the moment about this. And it's okay for you to be respectful of that. Sometimes we want to push, push, push and get to the bottom of it. Go, go, go. But it's okay for us to wait until there may be a more appropriate time to come back again to that topic. Uh, and just to be respectful of our children in that way. Um, especially if they're in our home and we're homeschooling, we know we're going to have more opportunities. So again, we have to be patient, again, long-suffering. So just wanted to share that. Oh, that's great. 
So in your book, When Words Matter Most, you divided it into two different parts. And I just love the second part of your book because you offer scripture references to help the worried, the weary, the weeping, and the wayward. So can you share some specific struggles that our children may have in these different areas and how we can encourage them? Sure. (laughs) Well, a lot of children have struggles with worry, which uh, just like adults, that's how we can identify, right? We can say, I understand, but uh, what helps us will help our children too. And that's our walk with the Lord. The um, one of the primary verses for worry is Philippians four, six, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, which is a wonderful verse because it tells us what to do. But I like to connect it with the end of verse five. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. So it's like one thought that because of God's nearness, his care, his love, we can talk a lot about that we would help a child say who's worried about um, testing. There's some children have to take exams or SATs or ACTs if they're still doing that anymore, but also um, preparing themselves for a test at home or say a tryout for um, youth theater or even an audition or recital if they're taking piano lessons. All these things could generate a lot of worry, but to use the scripture, which is the truth, and which is inspiring and motivating and fills them with truth and spirit, the spirit, it's um, how a mom could help her child who's worried. For a child who is weary, um, I think that closely can be tied to a child who is worried. But if we want to be more specific, a child who is just exhausted under the trial or the burden or the task that they are having to complete, this may be true more of your junior high and your high school students, possibly. I mean, I'm sure it could be some little guy sitting there trying to get his little math page done as well. But um, this may be more of your preteen or your teenager who has something that they are needing to endure Uh, maybe there's a trial that they are enduring, maybe having difficulty with friends at church or whatever it may be, or a sickness, or it could be something related more specifically to school, but they are weary and they're exhausted underneath that burden. I think a good passage to go to, and we address this in the book, is Isaiah 40, verses 27 through 31. And I'm sure this would be familiar to your listeners, but this is the passage that ends with, Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And one of the great things about this passage with children is that you have these word pictures here. You can be talking about the eagles. You can be talking about the athlete who is running long distance. And um, we, we spend some time in the verses that precede that, that verse in particular. And some of the things that we draw out is that the Lord sees you in your weariness. Again, coming back to this idea that Caroline uh, was pointing out that the Lord is near. I think that is such an important aspect 
of sharing Christ with our children is the real presence of God with mommy. You know, if, if our child is a believer, uh, the real presence of Christ with you and emphasizing that. Um, another thing from this passage is that the Lord is full of power, but also full of understanding of our weakness. And as it says in Psalm 103, he understands that we are but dust. He understands our frame and he is compassionate towards us in our weariness. Also from this passage in Isaiah 40, the Lord will give you the exact strength you need. Not too much, not too little, but he will give you exactly what is fitted for you in order to endure. And then your strength will be renewed as you wait for the Lord. And that waiting can involve um, being still, but sometimes waiting on the Lord is an active thing. Waiting on the Lord is often doing the next right thing and trusting him to provide the strength in it. That next, um, that next English paper, <laughs> that next uh, lap in the pool, that next measure of violin music, whatever it is. Sometimes we just have to teach them to do the next right thing and to trust the Lord to give them um, the, the strength that they need. So again, taking a child to a passage such as Isaiah 40 and directing them to the realness of the Lord in their struggle is, is very important. Oh, that's well said, Cheryl. I want to pick up on what you said earlier to tell us how to help a wayward child. And we tend to think if a child's wayward, it's they're rebelling against us. And how dare they do that? But it's truly against the Lord. And that's where the change happens is as we start to realize we've sinned against God. So our book uses Psalm 32 to express what's needed in repentance. So the wayward child... Um, has to know that they've sinned against God. That's verse five. I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. So now we've taken a personal interaction and just taken a whole, whole nother spiritual level that we're, I'm coming alongside you, son, before the Lord. It's not an antagonistic relationship now. It's a helping relationship. And the gospel's in Psalm 32. It says in verse five, I, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The blessings of following the Lord are also in this Psalm. It says um, in verse 10, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. So we paint a picture. It's uh like we know in some circles, we've learned about the, the why that we are on. We're on a path. You can either take the hard way, which is easy in the end, ultimate blessings, or let's take the easy way, but it'll yield hard results. So that's a really good way for parents and moms to guide their wayward child, I think, by bringing the Lord into it. And then finally, we also address the issue of weeping or sorrow. And our children experience sorrow. You know, it might not be adult sorrow issues yet. Some of them do. But 
to a child, anything that brings them sorrow, it is their biggest sorrow. It's their, it's their grief. And uh, as mothers, we have such an opportunity to be compassionate to them as mothers, as those who love them more than anybody else in the world. Uh, but it's also an opportunity for us to share with them the compassion of the Lord in their sorrow. And one of the passages we discuss is Lamentations 3, 19 through 26, and also then Lamentations 3, 55 through 58. And I chose this one to share with you because this is where we talk about great is thy faithfulness. And uh, most likely this would, that would be a hymn that your listeners would be familiar with. And so you could tie that in and share that with the child as well. Um, that the Lord's faithfulness is great. But in this passage, um, in Lamentations, you just see the grief and the sorrow of the writer. But he comes back to the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And so we pointed out a few things from this passage that even as a child of God, your grief may seem overwhelming and impossible to bear. Just because you are a child of God does not mean that you will never experience suffering. And that is a real life lesson that can be learned very young, that this is a fallen world and we do experience suffering and hurt and grief. And yet God is still with us, as we've been saying. Another point we draw out of this Lamentations 3 passage is that the Lord's love for you is a faithful love. And so it's an opportunity for us to help our children to see and to understand from the scriptures here that the Lord's love is persevering, that we can count on him, that it's never ending and that he is steadfast. It says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What a great lesson to teach our children that Yes, you are sorrowing right now, but you're not always going to feel this way. God heals us. He helps us. There are some things that will maybe hurt our whole lives, but God gives us grace to endure those things and to grow through them. And he does bring us joy again. And then finally, from this passage, actually two other things from this passage, your faithful God is your greatest good. Another great lesson is that we can put so much stock or, or invest so much in attaining something or having this particular friendship or knowing this person or getting this grade. And when those things fall short, we grieve because it's a loss, but helping our children understand that knowing the Lord is your greatest good. He is what we truly need. And then finally, your redeemer is always faithful. And this is coming back to him as our redeemer, that if the Lord has saved you, he has given you himself. And that is more than all the world can offer. And so, yes, as a homeschool family, we are seeking to achieve certain things. We're seeking to complete certain things. And that's good. But even when those things fall short, we have the Lord. And that is the most important. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate that second half of your book, because I think that's where we struggle with sometimes as moms is having the scripture and using the scripture to speak into our children's lives instead of just giving them 
our words that we know are truthful because they come from God, but actually giving them the verses from God's word and letting that speak to them. So I really appreciate all those references that you guys gave in the book in the second half. Well, our time is just about up, but I'd really love for you guys to share just one last truth with us. And as homeschool moms, we struggle a lot with the fear of failure. And so we're homeschooling our kids. We're teaching them about the Lord, but it really seems like too big of a task for us as moms. Um, So what encouragement do you have for homeschool moms in this area that we struggle with? A feeling like this is too great of a task and we're just going to fail at it. Hmm. I liked your question. It resonates with Cheryl and me, and I'm sure your listeners. Um, My answer is again, scripture. I like to, I would like to apply Colossians 3, verse 22 and 23 and 24. It's, we're serving, fearing the Lord. It's the section servants. You obey and everything, those who are earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. I think we need to be reminded of that on a daily basis because. It's God who sees us, God who knows our spirit, our heart, and it takes the other things out, like comparisons, but it also can take out some of the self-defeating talk we're talking about, or even thinking, which um, is going to derail us and take away our zeal and our joy, but we need to remember serving the Lord. A verse that is helpful to me is um, in 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 5, where Paul talks about our, our, our adequacy is not from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. And when you think about who was writing that or who was saying that, we're talking about the Apostle Paul. I mean, he was the one who was strong. He was the one who was enduring. He was the one who was you know, suffering and suffering well and serving the Lord and planting churches. And yet with all of that accomplishment, Paul was still saying, I am not adequate. Hmm. And with all of our accomplishment and all of that effort we put into every day of raising our children and educating our children, quite frankly, we're not adequate. We aren't enough. And that's just real life. But as Paul goes on to say, our adequacy is from God. And our adequacy as mothers who are seeking to serve the Lord by serving our families in this way, he is our adequacy. That when we feel empty and we don't have much left to give, it is his grace working through us to serve and to care for our families. And, um, A real practical thing is several years ago, many years ago, another homeschool mom, one of my good friends, we were praying together one day for the kids. And she was praying that the Holy Spirit would teach our children what we failed to teach them. And she was not talking about a subject matter per se. 
she was talking about the things of the heart that they needed to know to walk with the Lord, because we both recognized that we were falling short, even though we were trying and seeking to honor the Lord. We're not super women. We can't do it all. And there will be weaknesses in our own lives. There'll be gaps in what we teach our children, but we can trust the Lord to teach our children what we fail to teach them. And just again, being dependent upon the Lord, praying for the Holy Spirit to teach them and to guide them. So our adequacy is from God and depending upon him in prayers is so important. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl and Caroline for joining us on the Homeschool Mom podcast and for sharing all of the great wisdom you have and encouragement for homeschool moms. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I hope this episode was an encouragement to you. Make sure to check out the show notes for information on where you can connect with Cheryl and Caroline online. And don't forget to grab a copy of their new book, When Words Matter Most, Speaking Truth with Grace to Those You Love. Show notes for each episode of the Homeschool Mom podcast can be found at janelleknutson.com forward slash podcast, or just go to homeschoolmompodcast.com.